You are a Locked On Braves postcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And hello and welcome into the Braves postcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. Grant McCauley with you alongside Jake Mastriani after a comeback win by the Atlanta Braves, a thrilling postseason victory. In a must-win game, the Braves did exactly that. The offense came to life in the late innings. They made some great defensive plays. They got some good work by the bullpen, and they were able to make it work, splitting the first two games of this best-of-five series. So the Braves will head it up to Philadelphia, and we're going to talk all about that, what is to come. But we knew what had to happen in Game 2 if the Atlanta Braves wanted to really have a chance to win this series. They needed to get on the board with a victory, and that's exactly what they did on Monday night at Truist Park. 5-4 the final score. Go-ahead home run by Austin Riley and one of the craziest defensive finishes you will ever see. And we're going to talk all about it right here on the Locked On Sports Atlanta Braves postcast. Make sure you subscribe to the channel right here on YouTube. Click that bell. You'll get notified every time we drop a new episode. Also, leave us those likes and those comments. We appreciate it. Share the show with a friend and subscribe to Locked On Braves wherever you get your podcast. Jake, I know you've been a busy man tonight, and I also know I've been a busy man tonight all over the place, including at Truist Park in the clubhouse after the game. It was quite the scene, and this was quite the game. It's much more enjoyable to be that busy when you're talking about a win like this and just how exciting it was. I mean, one of the biggest comebacks for the Braves in the postseason ever. And I mean, just a way that they did it and had to have it. You could not go back to Philadelphia down 2-0. So in a must-win game, essentially, the Braves come up with it late. Yeah, they definitely did. And the fashion in which they came back in this one, and we talked about it in game one. I mean, each run that the Phillies put on the board as the Braves' offense was stagnant, felt like it was, I think, much bigger than it actually was. But that's part of what the postseason is. And even with a team like the Atlanta Braves that had the kind of offense it did during the course of the season, Matt Olson said it on game 162. Now we go back to zero. And now we got to do it in a totally different format and in the highest pressure moments that you're going to find. And the Braves were able to do that in game two. Let's talk about it here as we go through the line score and the box score of what was a 5-4 Atlanta Braves victory. It evens up the NLDS again. Best three out of five at a game apiece after the first two games at Truist Park. The Phillies had the early lead. They finished with four runs, nine hits, and two errors. They left 11 men on base in this game. We'll talk about that one. Braves with five runs on just four hits, but two key home runs did commit an error, which helped the Phillies score one of their runs. The Braves left just two men on base because, as I mentioned, they didn't have very many guys on base, but boy, did they make it count. Braves scored five runs from the sixth inning on to overcome the 4 nothing deficit they found themselves in and with Zach Wheeler on the mound. But ultimately, it was a battle of the bullpens down the stretch, and the Braves were able to come out on top. A.J. Minter, the win, he's 1-0. Jeff Hoffman, the loss, is 1-1. Rysel Iglesias, the save. But, Jake, I don't want to bury the lead here. The way in which this save occurred, why don't we start with the end of the game? Then we'll get to all the big moments, home runs, and other fun stuff that the Braves are known to do. But Michael Harris the second racing back to the wall on a blast by Nick Castellanos in right center field, leaps against the wall, makes the catch, triggers it in, gets it to the infield where somehow Austin Riley finds the ball or the ball found Austin Riley. He got it back over to first. Bryce Harper was racing around second and got caught off first, couldn't get back after Harris made the catch, and that was how this game ended. It followed, of course, the dramatic home run by Austin Riley in the eighth. I don't want to sell him short. I don't want to bury the lead, but this was an incredible comeback and the likes of which I don't know that we've ever seen in the postseason. You know, walk-off home runs are exciting, 
But this is a play where you got to have two thrilling moments. One, you had the incredible catch by Michael Harris up against the wall. Just, I mean, incredible. You get it back in. It gets by two players. Austin Riley happens to be there, backhanded on a short hop, and is able to fire over a seed to Matt Olson to end the game. And you have another uproar by the crowd, which I've watched all the videos out there. Every angle you could is just the incredible reaction from the fans in that moment. I mean, it's just, again, something I I don't think we've ever seen before. I know I haven't a game ending like that. It's just, it was crazy. I mean, the the Braves were were dead to rights for most of this series and most of this game. And then those last two innings, Riley Homer, and then that play to end it just completely flipped the momentum of this series in the Braves' favor. Yeah, it definitely did. And again, as we talked about, I mean, every game in the postseason has a, a must win element to it. You want to start the series with a victory, but then if you fall in the hole, you don't want to allow the other team to go up two games to none. So you need to even the slate as quick as you can or even that ledger. And so the Braves, I don't feel like had their backs completely against the wall, but Philadelphia came out in game one and kind of pushed them around. Not that the Phillies offense was hitting bombs left, right, and center, but they were able to shut down the Braves offense. And that I think was the big focus coming out of game one. So where was that response going to happen when was it going to happen i think it's a more apropos question and who was going to step up in the big moments and help the braves kind of get themselves started get something going and ultimately create the rallies that they were going to need and that man's name that got him started was was uh, ronald lacuna jr and i want to talk about him more in a moment but the man in the center of things uh, a couple of them big home run from travis darno Also, big home run, the big defensive play for Austin Riley that occurred in the back half of the, or the middle portion, I should say, of the 8-5-3 double play. You know, that 8-5-3 double play that we see just about every night in Major League Baseball. Uh, But Riley also had a great catch running into foul territory near the tarp. I mean, every little thing that the Braves needed to do in these final few innings, Jake, it felt like they were able to do it. They were, and and these were the plays. You look at what happened in game one. Philly, I mean, it's not like it felt like the Phillies just dominated the Braves in that game, but it wasn't necessarily the case. It was a close game. Phillies were given a couple of runs in that one. They were given a couple of runs in this game too, but it was a big you know, play by uh, Trey Turner, double play there that helped. And in this game, Braves just made a couple more plays than the Phillies did, including a couple of defensive plays. But Austin Riley, you know, a guy that I think we talked about a lot coming in we felt pretty good that Acuna, Matt Olson were going to make a mark at some point. Yeah. And you, you felt like Austin Riley, he's that guy in the middle. If he can get going when he's hot, what he can do and how he can carry a team. And just to have that at bat in the eighth inning to work it full, to come back and have that swing with one hand. I mean, Austin Riley is a guy that Bra- a lot of Braves fans were looking to. Can he be clutch? Can he come up in these big moments? What a huge game for him and his confidence to come up with the game tying hit and then that big, you know, couple of big defensive plays, but that one especially to end it. And hearing from Austin after the game, one of the big things that he stressed was the fact that, you know, not letting the moment be too big for you and being present in that moment. He said he looked over to the dugout. And Kevin Seitzer kind of gave him this signal that, hey, make sure you're not getting too big. Make sure you're not overstriding here, trying to just really get into one and turn this game around. Stay within yourself and maintain that approach, uh, excuse me, that approach and that preparation that you have in order to have the quality of bats that Austin Riley can have. He struggled at times with runners in scoring position in 2023. I think that was one of the things that he would love to have improved upon, especially I think in the first half, it was much more so. But the moments in the postseason, They'll find you. And can you come through in those moments? The Braves were looking for some guys to do it. 
He did. Travis Darno as well. We've talked about this catching split that the Braves have, this timeshare between Sean Murphy and Travis Darno. We also know that Travis and Max Freed worked together quite a bit. I mean, obviously they have for quite a few years, and Travis has been behind the plate for a lot of Max's starts, even since Sean Murphy came over here in 2023. This was probably not the start that Max Freed wanted to have. He really struggled to keep the Phillies off the board in the early going. Uh, they grabbed that first inning run. Could have been worse, but a 30-pitch first inning for Max Freed, who was over 90 pitches just to get through 95, in fact, to get through just four innings. The real mistake that he made, the one that I'm sure he wants back, a two-run homer by JT Romuto that came in the third inning. Not the typical Max Freed start that you would hope to see, the ones that he has provided the Braves over the course of the last few years. But he was able to somehow get through four and at least keep the game close, Jake. And I know that we're not necessarily handing out the the wins just for moral victories, but that could have gone much worse in the first inning, if that all makes sense. Could have also gone much better if he gets a close call to Trey Turner. Uh, I mean, a a pitch that that should have been a strike, and he probably gets out of that inning facing just four batters. But uh, it didn't, and you got to make pitches after that. But certainly it was a struggle, and you wonder what effect that first inning had with him having to throw all those extra pitches, throwing 30 pitches in that first inning after not throwing, you know, in a big league game for 18, 19 days. And Mm -hmm. just what effect that had, because uh, look, I'll be honest. I thought first three, four batters, I thought he looked sharp. I thought he looked like the Max Freed. He was dotting up corners, just didn't get one particular call in there. And then after that, it just seemed like as the inning went on, the command started to go away and it never really came back. And yet he still got through four innings. And, you know, besides that mistake to Real Muto, I mean, he really did a good job keeping the the Braves in this game. And, you know, the, the pitch to Real Muto, it was after, you know, he had those two disengagements. He seemed, you know, frustrated on the mound mm-hmm. by that, fell behind Real Muto, and then just threw a pitch right down the middle that he absolutely destroyed. But I think you do have to give some sort of, of credit, moral victory to Max Fried in this one for at least battling through it after not pitching in so long having a couple things not go his way, but able to at least get through four innings, you know, get through that, you know, top of the lineup again, although he gave up the home run, but to at least give them another inning, keep them in it and get to that bullpen, which by the way, was great. in this one I know we'll talk about, but uh, yeah, I mean, just, you know, again, Max Freed, he's going to gut it out, give you his best. I know he's not happy about it. Hopefully he gets another opportunity in this series or in the one to come, but uh, certainly not the best version of Max Freed we've seen. Yeah, I talked to Max after the game, and he said he felt like, from a pitch execution standpoint, basically all he had that he really felt like he could depend on was his curveball. He didn't feel like he was as sharp as he needed to be, and clearly the mistake to Real Muto stands out the most of all of those. You can't lay it all on inconsistent home plate umpiring, though that does add to the frustrations most certainly. But again, Max Fried was able to figure out a way to at least get through those four, and when he was sitting on, what, 50 pitches after the first two, I was kind of wondering if Max Fried was really going to be able to get through a third inning of work, but he did. And the Braves' bullpen was able to pick it up from there, handle the last five innings with one unearned run coming across. It was thanks to a throwing error by Travis Darno that the Phillies were able to plate one in the fifth inning against Kirby Yates, and uh, that was where the Phillies went up by a 4 nothing score. And, of course, the Braves' offense came to life after that. We're going to talk a whole bunch about what the Braves' offense was doing, who was getting it started, who was contributing, and, of course, we still got to talk about Game 3 of this series, and we'll do all of that in just a moment. I want to tell you about one of our great sponsors here on the show as this episode of the Braves Postcast is brought to you by Game Time. Game Time is the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. You buy those tickets in a matter of seconds, just two taps on that app, and you're set. The tickets go directly to your phone so you don't have to dig around through an email to find them 
It's as easy as can be. So you can snag those tickets without the stress with Game Time. Go download the Game Time app, create your account, and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create that account, redeem the code. It's LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So the Braves got the pitching that they needed between Max Fried and the bullpen to at least keep this game manageable, Jake. And we know how good this Braves offense had been, uh, basically, what, averaging about six runs per game over the course of the regular season. The question became, when were they going to wake up? The answer, as we found out, was the sixth inning. Is That's when Ozzie Albies got the Braves' first hit of the game. If I told you that you know Zach Wheeler was going to go out and have some no-hit stuff working into the sixth inning, the Phillies were going to have a big lead, and Max Fried wasn't going to make it past the fourth inning, I don't think we'd be sitting here feeling like we're going to be having a conversation about a Braves win, would you? Uh, no, not at all. I mean, and not with, you know, the way Zach Wheeler can be when he's in the zone and as great as he was on this one and as lifeless at the, as the Braves offense looked through 16 innings of this series and just how dominant he was and all the strikeouts he was piling up early in this game. No, I would not have thought that we got the result that we did in this one. No, and a 14 inning shutout streak to start the NLDS for the Braves. Nothing I had on my proverbial bingo card either, but that's what it was. Ronald Acuna Jr., though, he was able to draw a walk and score the first run of the game for, for the Braves on that Ozzie Albee single in the fifth. He was going to stop at third, but then Trey Turner was the man in the right spot for the Phillies in the eighth inning the night before. Well, he had a ball bounce away from him. Ronald scampered home. The crowd came alive, and I think, Jake, in a lot of ways, that might have kind of lifted a weight off of the Braves and the offense and maybe the entire team in general just to finally be on the board, knowing that you've got the sixth, seventh, eighth, and possibly ninth innings ahead. I feel like that's one thing that has been kind of in the DNA of this club. If they have that many outs left to go and the game is close, you have a feeling like this is an offense that can come up with the big hits to get it done, and particularly the home run. And Travis Darno delivered a huge home run for this club. It came in the seventh inning. It scored Matt Olson, who was on with a single. It cut it to a 4-3 game, and all of a sudden, Zach Wheeler went from looking like he might be twirling a no-hitter to looking more human. And that, of course, all I think kind of fed into the momentum swinging back over towards the Braves side of things. It did. And a tough call there for Rob Thompson. I mean, the way Wheeler was going, I think you had to stick with him there. But they had the bullpen up and going and certainly was, you know, on their mind. The numbers that Darno has against Wheeler were part of the reason why he was starting in this game. Also because, you know, he has good, uh, you know, good rapport with uh, Max Freed. But, uh, you know, big decision there. First pitch from Darno, which he does. He'll ambush a first pitch every now and then and got yep. it. And it just completely flip that game because even scoring that run in the sixth inning, you know, kind of left a little bad taste in that inning with the call called strike three to Austin Riley that didn't really look like a called strike three. And you thought, well, finally had something going and then that happens. And then you come right back the next inning and you grab that momentum back and you get within one run of this Phillies team with the way everything was going for the Braves in this series, all the momentum with the Phillies. And suddenly at that point, you felt like, okay, is this offense finally starting to wake up? Like you said, you know, eventually this, this team is too good, too talented to just, you know, go scoreless through this postseason. You knew they were going to get going at some point. And that swing, one swing right, right there by Travis Darno, I think brought a lot of life and energy, not just into that Braves team, but that, you know, all the fans there as well who were really loud, especially from that point going. So just a huge swing in this game, turning momentum. Like you said, Wheeler was just so dominant, 10 strikeouts on the night, uh, but just a great swing by Travis Darno. It's why he was in there. A couple of things to throw in there. You talk about the crowd getting into it. I mean, we didn't talk about it as much in the first game because of the final score, but 
last night, or excuse me, game one was the largest crowd in Truist Park history. And well, game two was also the largest crowd in Truist Park history. So the first two games is NLDS. I mean, Braves fans have shown up. They've been there. They've been looking for something to cheer for. And Travis Darno finally gave it to him. And he did so against his former teammate in Zach Wheeler, former battery mate. He caught him plenty of times. And Travis was very quick to compliment how good Zach Wheeler was and how foolish he felt that he looked in his earlier plate appearances. And he just went up there looking to hit something hard, looking to put a barrel on one. And as Travis said, he got rewarded with the extra base hit. And that's an extra base hit that the Braves sorely needed. It made it a 4-3 game. Then we fast forward to the eighth inning. Austin Riley at the plate, the two-run homer off Jeff Hoffman. We talked about how much work the Phillies bullpen did in game one and how well they were able to execute their plan and obviously keep the Braves off the board. Jeff Hoffman did the least in game one, got rewarded with a victory, came in in a very big spot, uh, put Ronald Acuna Jr. on base, and Austin Riley made him pay with a two-run homer. And that was just the first of a couple of great moments for Austin in the final couple of innings of this baseball game. But I think as we talked about earlier, you just feel like there are some hitters, some players that you want to see those big moments from that are central to the Braves' success. Austin Riley was one of those in 2021. There's no two ways about that. Wasn't a factor in 2022. And here this year in 2023, in another year of 30-plus homers and 90-plus runs batted in, he's able to get a couple of big RBIs on one very big swing. And a lot going on in this at bat too. You had, you know, Riley really struggling with the high fastball in this game and in, in that at bat as well. And they decided to go with the slider on that three, two pitch there. But another key component in this is Acuna moving to third base, because once that happens, Hoffman knows he as good as JT Romuto is back there. He doesn't want to spike one in the dirt and risk a ball getting away and Acuna scoring from third base. And I think that, you know, plays into that pitch a little bit and he leaves it up for Austin Riley and just great job on him. Cause if I'm Riley, I'm thinking they're about to try to get me upstairs with a, with a fastball. Like they have all game and he's able to still stay back on that slider has so much power that even if he, you know, him being out in front of it is able to get enough of the barrel on it and have enough power and juice to get it over that left field wall. So just an incredible at bat by Riley. Cause again, I, I got to think, and I would like to know, if somebody asked him post game, were you thinking fastball there? Because I know I certainly would be. And to be able to stay back on that slider and again, just have that power to hook it out to left field. And again, I think Acuna certainly played into that pitch, staying up a little bit. Just a huge moment right there, a huge series for the Braves getting that lead. And again, just, you know, again, flipping all the momentum in this series. Yeah, it truly did. And Austin Riley, I think I told you earlier, was just kind of talking about how he was trying to focus in on that at bat, not think about maybe some of the things that had not worked for him earlier in the night or in the series or the fact that you know the Braves offense in general hasn't been able to do the things it wanted to do. And as we talked about already, you know, the momentum did start to feel like it was going to swing a little bit. And people might be wondering, what's well, baseball? Can you really talk about momentum that much? And my answer to you is typically momentum is as good as your next day's starting pitcher. But in the postseason, it's a totally different animal. So I think Austin Riley was able to you know, stay back on the pitch that he thought that he was going to get 3-2 or at least make a very good adjustment, get a good read on that, and and maybe having, you know, being familiar with these two teams, playing one another so many times this year and just kind of having that, uh, I think, scouting, if you will, that advance on all of these players. There's just not a lot of secrets between these two teams. And Austin Riley, pretty powerful hitter. If he's able to get the head of the bat out on one, he can certainly put it over the left field wall. And he kind of joked, as I saw it go up into the air, the trajectory – and just wanted to see it go over that that short wall in left field. I know it was there, and I wanted to see it clear it. 
and he certainly did, and the place went absolutely bananas after that. But you brought up a great point, Ron Lacuna Jr. When Hoffman came in, he hit him with a pitch immediately, and that sent him down to first base. Ozzie Albies moved him to second with a ground ball to the right side. When Acuna got over to third base on his first steal of the series, and this is something Ronald's so good at, is I think putting more pressure on pitchers to be perfect because all of a sudden you make a mistake and another run can come across. And that was a tying run at third base. But once Austin Riley took that big swing and put it over the wall, the tying and go-ahead runs came across and the Braves offense was able to finally get itself, I think, going in the direction that it wants to be, despite the fact they were out hit by a 9-4 to four margin in this game. And they had just one hit with a runner in scoring position. And it was the Austin Riley home run. They found a way to win this baseball game. I want to talk some about Michael Harris the second now because it wasn't his night at the plate necessarily, but we know he can go get him with the best of them in center field. And there was the coolest, uh, you know, exchange after this game between Michael Harris and Ronald Acuna Jr. That you know, you, you forget how young Michael Harris the second is, and it blows me away every time. And also makes me feel very old when he says, "I grew up idolizing Ronald Acuna Jr." So now to play in the outfield with him you know, it is a real thrill. Well, Ronald's 25, so I'm not even going to age myself on this whole thing, but this was something that Michael had shared earlier, in, I think in September, when he showed the the uh, reaction video he had to Acuna's Grand Slam in 2018. So I asked Michael, what's it like to now have your own postseason moment for this club and to have Ronald come by and basically shout in the direction of Michael, who had about 20 people gathered around him at his locker in the clubhouse and say, he catches everything and just the smile on michael harris's face was one of the cooler things that i've been around to see that exchange that camaraderie that chemistry in that clubhouse that's a real thing and the energy and dare we use that word again momentum certainly had to feel pretty good after this 5-4 win and michael harris the second is a guy that even if he doesn't get it done at the plate on a given night he could make a game-changing play in center field and he did it with that running catch that great throw and the heads up the awareness of austin riley who said he was so busy trying to let people know to throw back to first because of where Bryce Harper was, that he kind of ran himself into that play to be the right guy in the right place at the right time. Yeah, just amazing that way, the way that play unfolded. But for Michael Harris, again, he's batting ninth, and I think that's where he needs to be, you know, especially, you know, with tough lefties coming in. Uh, and then the Phillies have a lot of good lefties coming out of their bullpen. But putting him in that ninth order, you know, if he gets on base, can flip things over the top of the lineup. But more importantly, as we saw tonight, it's having that gold glove center field defense right there. And, and really, I look at Arcia and Harris batting eighth and ninth in this order. Arcia, I think, underrated part of these first two games. He has been incredible defensively in these first two games. Arcia has made a couple of really key plays to help keep runs off the board. But Harris, we know what he can do out there. He's one of the best, I think, in all of baseball going back on a baseball, especially in that direction. I think we've seen him make a ton of highlight real catches going back to that right center field gap like that. And it's just the awareness, you know, of knowing where he is on the field and how much time he has uh, to get to that ball. Incredible swing by Castellanos as well. I mean, that's a perfectly placed pitch on the outside corner, and he absolutely drilled it out to right center. But for Harris to be able to track that down, I mean, what he – and the Braves said this when they brought him up last year. They said, we don't know what we're going to get offensively, but we're bringing him in to settle down defense in the outfield and center field specifically. And look, I think he's going to be a great hitter. He was a great hitter this year, but certainly you look at the defense and you just know one day he's going to win a gold glove out there. And it's because of plays like this. Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, these are the kind of plays and the kind of moments that you need to have in order to win games in the postseason. It's not just about hitting the big home run, which certainly helps, but making that play. I mean, 
it stopped the Phillies from tying that game. And little did we know when the catch was made, the initial excitement would turn into that game-ending double play. That was certainly one of the great moments and one of the great Braves postseason moments I can think of in a recent or even not so recent history. That was an outstanding catch by Michael Harris II, and it was what put the uh, finishing touches on a 5-4 Braves win. So as we continue here, we will talk about what the Braves are up against as the series shifts to Philadelphia for the next couple of games. Braves and Phillies will meet at Citizens Bank Park for Game 3 of the National League Division Series. Jake, we talked to Brian Snitker after this game. He was not able to name a starting pitcher or not willing to name a starting pitcher. Let me put it that way. I'm sure he could, but he said they honestly have not decided who is going to go to the mound for the Braves. We'll talk about the the possibilities in a moment, the options that they have, and the options that I think were kind of depending on what happened in Game 2. But we know it's going to be Aaron Nola on the mound. He's already tossed once. He was brilliant against Miami in a seven-inning effort as the Phillies beat the Marlins in that wild-card series two games to none. But for Atlanta, it's, I think, Bryce Elder or A.J. Smith-Shawver, perhaps an opener, and then Smith-Shawver. We can get into all of that in a moment. But I think there's a decent case here with it tied up at a game apiece now to perhaps go with the guy who got you, I think, a lot of important innings over the course of the season was a big contributor but we know Bryce Elder struggled in the second half. 12-4 and four on the year and 31 starts, despite being the opening day starter for Gwinnett. That still blows my mind. 381 ERA overall and 174 and two-thirds innings, a career high. But a 5-2 and two record and an ERA over 5 in his 13 second-half starts. A lot of uneven results and a lot of tough nights for Bryce Elder down the stretch. I don't know which way the Braves are going to go with this. I tend to lean towards it possibly or more likely being Elder, but having smith Shaver in reserve, not having to use him just in case something went sideways for Max Fried in game two, this does give the Braves the option of maybe being a little bit creative here. If they were down two games to none, I don't know if that would stifle the creativity of perhaps putting a 20-year-old rookie on the mound and saying, hey, go get him. The season's on the line and you're on the mound. Yeah, it's it's honestly not a great situation either way you want to look at it. I mean, you're going on the road in a very hostile environment and you're either starting a very young Bryce Zelder who struggled in the second half or you're maybe starting a 20-year-old rookie that doesn't have a lot of innings under his belt at the big league level. So, you know, would love Charlie Borden. So obviously that's not going to happen. That's not, I would love Kyle Wright even in this situation, but uh, unfortunate, you know, injuries there for the Braves starters. But I think it is going to be Bryce Elder. I think you start him. Uh, look, he pitched really good against the Phillies. You know, the second half or first half of the season, he went to Philadelphia, pitched seven shutout innings against them. So it's in there. It's He's capable of getting it done. But I think you got to have a short leash on him as well. One good thing you do know, you have Spencer Strider going for game four of this <laughs> series, and you feel pretty confident that he's going to be able to give you six seven innings in that one so you could unload the bullpen if you need to but I, I think you know best case scenario you do what the what the Phillies did in game one of this series you see if Elder can kind of finagle his way but uh, through the lineup a couple of times get you three plus four innings then maybe you piggyback it with an AJ Smith Shaver or, or somebody else depending on the situation you know at the top of the order is coming up maybe you go to Brad Hand to get out those lefties there and then just kind of you know the, the game will dictate how you go the rest of the way so I think that's how the Braves handle it. I, I really don't know what else you would do uh, and how else you would try to get through it in this situation. I think best case scenario, that's what you do pitching wise. And another uh, thing is to get this offense going. Hopefully what you had at the end of this game carries over into game three against Nola. Yeah, you would like to see that. And it's worth noting if you're kind of in the idea phase of, you know, what does an A.J. Smith-Shaw start look like and would it include an opener? 
Brad Hand did not pitch in the first two games of this series, so that would leave that on the table as well, and that may be why he was held in reserve because we know as much as anything, matchups mean a lot in the postseason. In the regular season, you might not mind Brad Hand facing a right-hander here or there or a couple of righties if it comes to that, depending on where the game is, but you want to be hyper-focused, I think, on it when it comes to the postseason opportunities and not necessarily putting him out there in matchups that aren't uh, the best for him. I think as, as a lefty specialist, that gives him a spot on this roster, an important role to play on this roster. But as we know with the three-batter minimum, it doesn't make it as easy to do that anymore. But if you start him as an opener, he could have the chance to face Kyle Swerber and Bryce Harper, dependent on how they stack their lineup. We'll see how that would work out because the Phillies would also have to do kind of what the Braves did in the first game. I know they altered their lineup just a little bit, but if they if you're in that position, you have to think about what comes after that opening pitcher or the guy who might throw just a few innings, and you want to set yourself up for some of these bullpen matchups that come down the line. But either way, I'm inclined to think that it's Bryce Elder who would be the conventional choice here, but the Braves didn't use Brad Hand in the first two games. A.J. Smith-Shaver obviously didn't have to pitch in game two. That is very much on the table. If you had to pick between the two, Jake, I know you said it's not necessarily the best option, and you don't have Kyle Wright, you don't have Charlie Morton, you don't have anybody else to walk through that door and be that starting option. Which one would you lean towards? I'd I'd still lean Bryce Elder. Uh, again, it's a guy who you know has been there for most of the season for you. He he is still pretty young himself. It feels like he's kind of a veteran at this point, but he's still a pretty young guy. But I, I think he's somebody if he's on and he's locating. You know, he's had some success against this Phillies team before. You know, I think he can get you through three or four innings, then you just kind of go from there. But, you know, I like your point with the opener, too, because going on the road, you want to have a shutdown first inning, uh, especially against the top of that order. So if you felt good about Brad Hand or, or somebody else for that matter, you know, being that opener, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to that either. Only reason I wouldn't use Brad Hand is because I might want him for a middle innings when the top of the order is coming up, you know, in a big situation to get through those lefties. But I, I would lean Bryce Elder to start. Yeah, I would also concur with that. And it may not be Brad Hand. I just know that there's been a lot of talk about that, and we did see how he pitched against the Phillies uh, in that series in which the Braves clinched the National League East not too long ago, what, two, three weeks ago now? Uh, well, three weeks, I guess, at this point. It's just one of those things to think about, but it could very well be someone else. But obviously, you could go the traditional route, put Bryce Elder out there, get a little bit of extra rest that he got by skipping his final start of the regular season, pitched pretty well in the sim game that he threw in those practices and see what maybe he is able to give you in game three of this series. Again, it'll be Aaron Nola on the mound. That is confirmed for the Philadelphia Phillies. Braves may not name their starter until before game three. It might happen on the off day. We'll all find out uh, as we go into Tuesday, but either way, we appreciate you riding along with us here on the Braves postcast, part of locked on sports Atlanta. We look to bring you these after every single postseason game. So make sure you're subscribed right here to the YouTube channel, locked on sports Atlanta. Make sure you click that bell. You get notified. Every time we drop a new episode, leave us those likes and those comments. We appreciate all of those. Got a ton of them after game one. Hoping for some different looking comments after game two as the Braves even up this series at a game apiece with their 5-4 comeback win. One of the most exciting that I can remember in Braves postseason history. But they're going to need a few more of these wins to turn this NLDS around and advance, of course, to the next round. Once again, the Braves winners 5-4, the final score for Jake Mastriani. I am Grant McCauley. We will catch you next time. And until then, so long. 
Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 